If you have your Bible with you today, we're going to be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. This is a passage that we'll refer to throughout the series this month as we begin today, a new message series. Paul writes, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This past week, our family had the opportunity to travel down to South Carolina to take some vacation for Christmas. All of our extended family is there, so we kind of make the rounds and see uh, my mom first and then in Columbia uh, with the rest of uh, my family and Melanie's family. While we were in Mount Pleasant, where my mom lives, we had the chance to go to the beach because it was so nice. We could not get over how warm and sunny it was. There were people all over the beach that day. On the way back to my mom's house, we came up to a traffic signal and had the red light, so we stopped. And over to our right, I saw a white SUV pull off to the shoulder before they got up to the red light and stop. It was a family in the vehicle. The wife is driving, and the husband gets out of the passenger seat, and he goes to the back door on the passenger side, opens it up. So I'm watching, wondering what's going on, right? And he climbs up on the seat and then looks up on the roof, and he starts to look for something, and he found it. And he picked up a large white cell phone and safely put it where it needed to be, got in the vehicle, and then continued on. I imagine that once he got in the vehicle, he was really excited because he found it, that it glad that it wasn't smashed on the road and gotten run over. Maybe he sent out a tweet message, hashtag lost phone found on route. I don't know. Maybe you've had a similar problem. Maybe you've lost your phone if you have one. And we know that is a problem these days. They're expensive and they have all your data on there, so you don't want to lose it. I've heard stories about people who have actually dropped their phone in the commode. That's not a good problem, not a good thing to have. That is a problem. And then other problems that we we have with our phones, like we don't have a Wi-Fi connection, especially for young people. That's That's a big, big problem. I hear that a lot. These and other things are what we would say are hashtag first world problems. So if you're looking on the web and you just put hashtag first world problems in, you'll see a lot of things that you and I take for granted, uh, but that other people in the world would love to have as problems. These are first world problems. In his book, How to Be Rich, Andy Stanley, the pastor of the North Point Church in Atlanta, describe some additional first world problems, problems that others in the world would love to have, like 
bad cell phone coverage or can't decide where to go for vacation or to have a vacation. You know, a lot of people in this world have to work seven days, but many of us or most of us in the workaday world work five days and then are able to have two off. So it's something that is a luxury that we don't realize or a slow internet connection or your computer crashes or your car breaks down or we have flight delays or Amazon doesn't have our size. These are first world problems. Uh, the next time you're watering your new grass seed in the fall, and many of us do that, myself included, think about how people in developing countries might see that. They, they see us spraying good water on our lawn, whereas many people in developing countries have to walk hundreds of yards, and these are women with jugs of water on their heads just to get fresh drinking water and cooking water home to their families. So as we begin this new year, we're launching into a series called Being Rich, and I'm using Andy Stanley's book for a framework. And there's also messages on the book that Craig Groeschel at Life Church has preached, and I'm referring to those teachings as well uh, to help us understand what it really means to be rich. This series is not called How to Get Rich. If you are trying to figure that out, this is not the place to be. If you're thinking this series is about prosperity theology and how we can give God more and how He'll bless us with more, that's not where we're going. Maybe you've seen some of the televangelists in the news recently who are trying to justify the need for their private jets so that they can get around the world in their travels. This is not at all prosperity theology. And this message series is not designed to make you feel guilty if you have considerable financial resources. It's not that at all. So, what is it about? It's about being rich in what matters most. A lot of us go through life wanting more, believing that if we just had more stuff, or maybe the stuff that our neighbor has, or a better job, or more money, that we would be happy. And I've dealt with this in my life too. We, we all have at some point or another. But the problem is, what we have isn't who we are. And uh, instead of trying to get rich, my hope is that we will realize we already are rich and that with God's help, we can be rich in what matters the most. So where are we going? In the next few weeks, we're going to, uh, next Sunday, for example, we're going to look at how money promises only what God can provide. And Pastor John is going to preach that message. I'm looking forward to hearing you next Sunday, next Sunday John, as we uh, share in this series together. And then on the 17th, we'll look at some of the most generous people mentioned in the New Testament by Paul, the Macedonians. He uses them as an example to the Corinthians. And then in week four, we'll look at how our church can be rich in meeting the needs of others, how we can continue to fulfill that call. And then on the 31st, we'll wrap up with a message called Rich Toward God. Today's message is called Good News, Bad News. And we'll see in a few moments that contrary to our own assumptions, we can all be rich in what matters the most. So here are a few questions that kind of get your mind going uh, as we start the series. 
when, and don't, you don't have to raise your hand, these are just for you, you and me to think about. When you were a kid, how, how many of you wanted to be rich someday? I know I did. Uh, when you were younger, how many of you wanted to be a millionaire? Lots of, lots of us. Uh, or did you know somebody who had more than you and you secretly wanted to, to be like them? If I only had what they had. Or are you uncomfortable talking about this? Many of us are. We don't want to brag or boast. We don't want to say I'm rich. But as we'll see in the message, as we go through the message today, we are rich. And God desires that we be rich in what matters the most. To lay a foundation, we'll look at Paul's first letter to Timothy. And you remember that Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. He was instrumental in Paul's ministry. He was with Paul in his first imprisonment and later co-authored six of Paul's 13 letters in the New Testament. Our passage today is part of a letter of instructions that Paul gave to Timothy on how churches and their leaders are to function. Timothy was in Ephesus serving with the Ephesian Christians at the time that Paul wrote. And yes, many believers in the early church, especially Jerusalem, were very poor. This particular area where Timothy was serving uh, had a lot of wealth. Many wealthy merchants and traders had become believers in Christ and part of the church. And Timothy was responsible for teaching and preaching to them and helping them to understand the potential dangers of their wealth if they treated their wealth in a way that they, as they did uh, before they came to know Christ. So Paul included some very strategic words here in these few verses that I believe still speak to us today. In the verse 17, he says two things that are very important for us to hear, for all of us, not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth. And what Paul is saying, the word arrogant in the Greek means to think highly or too highly of yourself. It's not to be humble. And he's saying, if you're wealthy, don't allow it to go to your head. And then he says, don't put your hope in what you have. These are two important learnings that we see right in the scripture. And we understand today that it's okay to have things. It's okay to have wealth. Paul says, just don't put your hope in it. It's okay to own nice things. Just make sure they don't own you and me. We also need to answer a question, what does, it, what does rich mean? What is rich today? Gallup did a, a survey, and consistently through the people that were polled, where they were asked, based on your own income level, uh, how much would you need to be rich? Consistently through the responses, people said about twice as much as I have. So if you think about your uh, household income and double that, that's kind of where the people responded in the survey, that if I just have twice as much as I have now, then, then I'll be rich. But if you notice, that's different for everybody. Everybody is at a different level. So rich is, is always a moving target if you want to try to define it. It's hard to. For example, when my dad was working at Avis Rent-A-Car, when he and my mom were early married, he, he tells me this story that his goal was to make $10,000 a year. And if he got to that level, that he would be set. 
Some of you can remember back in the day when you started working. My first job out of college was with an insurance company, and they had good benefits. And the starting salary was $18,500 a year. Our rent was four twenty-five in our first little townhouse that we rented when we were married. And I remember back then thinking if I could get to the $30,000 level that I would be set. Sort of that same kind of thinking that my dad had when he was younger. Maybe you have had some figure in your mind. But rich is always a moving target. The challenge is if we don't feel rich, we're going to continue to try to get rich. If we don't feel rich, then we will continue to desire to have more to satisfy that appetite, and we will never say we are. I hope that the Holy Spirit can teach us to understand that God has blessed us and we are rich already. So there's some good news and some bad news today. The good news first. If you're taking notes, the good news is you are rich. That's the good news. We are rich. And we have rich people opportunities. If you ask if other people in the other parts of the world who look at us, we have rich people opportunities. Our kids can go to great libraries. They can be involved in lots of activities, dance and sports and educational opportunities. We have a great science museum in Richmond. We can go to the Metro Richmond Zoo right in our county. We can get music lessons. We can have our teeth straightened. I had them straightened twice when I was in middle school. If we're sick, we can go to some of the best doctors around. If we need a sitter, we can have someone come over and watch our children while we go out on a date night. We can help others who are in need. We can give. We can have a smartphone. Some of us have a tablet and some of the finest public schools around. We take these things for granted. I know I do. And yet, these are rich people opportunities. And I believe that God is saying to take a step back and look at what we have right around us. Be grateful for it. And then seek to be rich, not in all the things, but in what matters most. And that's the grace of God as we seek to give and be generous to others. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. That we can look at all of this and we can say, Thank you, God, for blessing us. And then sometimes the question is, Well, Pastor... Why, if God has blessed us, then what about people who don't have all of these things in other places? Are they not blessed? And I would say that's where the mission of the church comes into, into play. That if we acknowledge that what we have here is a blessing, then that blessing is to be shared. Then we will start to, to get a, a real clear sense of God blesses others who are in need through us and the church. Some of you might say, all right, um, Bob, I see where you're going, but we're struggling just to make ends meet. I mean, we both work, and we're just trying to scrape by. And I understand that. Many struggle. 
But think about where we are in our culture as we compare to many people in developing countries. If our household income is 33,000 or more, we are considered in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. 80,000 or more, it's the top one-tenth of 1%. Now, I'd, I'd, I want to be very sensitive to those who have financial struggles. There are those who have lost jobs. There are those who are facing insurmountable medical bills. There are single parents working two and three jobs just trying to make it. And so, yes, yes, there are a lot of struggles. As a whole, as a whole, though, in our area, we're doing okay. Most of us will go home today in a car. Most of us will go home to a house that has climate control systems, AC or heat. Many of us will turn on our cable or our dish and watch the ball game this afternoon. Some of us may order out. Some of us may go to dinner this week. And so I just want us to say, even, even if we have struggles, what we do have is looked at differently by people in other parts of the world. We are rich according to the world's standards. According to global poverty data, nearly one half of the world's population, more than three billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day, and more than 1.3 billion live in extreme poverty, which is a dollar and a quarter a day. So if you were to go and ask people in developing countries what rich looks like, they will say if you own a car, if you have a garage, if you go to restaurants, if, if you and I eat uh, more than we need or have more clothes than we need or if we have rooms where stuff is piled up and some would say they, they have an indoor pool and that's a soaker tub, right? So these things we often take for granted, many people view as rich. And we don't feel rich often because we consume most of what we have. And so what I want us to do as we wrap up today is just acknowledge God has blessed us with more than we need. God has blessed us with more than we need. We are rich. We can make a difference in this world. And that's the good news. We are rich. We can make a difference in this world. But the bad news is this. We are rich. That's the bad news. This is one of the greatest spiritual disadvantages that we have. The young man asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said he needed to sell his wealth and give it to the poor. And the young man went away sad. He was not able to part with his things. And uh, Jesus is not giving an indictment on people who have wealth here at all, but he's using this as an example to say that oftentimes our wealth can be a stumbling block to our relationship with God. Sometimes we'll put more faith in our things and we don't need God as much. God is not opposed to us having nice things. God does not want the things to have us. 
And so there are three applications for us as we wrap up today. The first one, the first challenge that we can acknowledge is it's harder for us to depend on God when we have so many things. In developing countries, most people have nothing else to depend on but God. So our wealth, the bad news is it can make us depend less on God. We don't need God so much. Second, it can distract us from our priorities. We can have so many things to do at our disposal that it takes us away from our real priorities, and that's serving our Lord and being generous to others. And third, we have greater responsibility The one who has been given much, much more will be asked. Or in the message version of Luke 12, 48, great gifts mean great responsibilities, greater gifts, greater responsibilities. This means that God has a higher level of expectation for those who have riches. But the problem is that in our culture, we're so used to living on the edge that we don't see it. We just consume everything and we don't acknowledge that we are rich and that we can help others with what God has given us. Often we get more, we try to borrow more to buy more things to please people we don't know with stuff we don't need. We don't have margin and we miss so many opportunities to be a blessing to God and to others. So let us not put our hope in riches but in the God who richly provides and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we might be rich in what matters most.